Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is monkeypox? What is behind the disease's recent outbreak? And how can you protect yourself? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. For the past two years, one virus has held the world's attention, and that's COVID-19. However, a new virus has garnered some concern as well. It's called monkeypox. Unlike COVID-19, monkeypox is nothing new, having been known to epidemiologists for years. In fact, there was another outbreak right here in the U.S. back in 2003. So why is it such a concern now? What's being done to combat this virus? And what can be done to stay healthy? Here to walk me through all of this is the John Snow Professor of Epidemiology at the Mailman School of Public Health at Columbia University, Dr. W. Ian Lipkin. Dr. Lipkin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Well, you know, this is an important topic because it's, uh, you know, essential that people kind of know what's going on. That way they can protect themselves in whatever way uh, is necessary. So I'm glad we're doing this. Let's just start with a timeline. Um, you know, just begin with those cases in the U.K. When did the monkeypox come to the U.S. and what did early data say and what has since been corrected? We don't know when it first came to the United States. This is very common with these sorts of emerging infections. We almost always miss the first few cases, but it's been around now for several weeks. We first became aware of it because there were these two uh, festivals where it appeared there was one in Europe, there was one um, which was actually in Belgium, there was another one in, uh, in an island off of Spain, but it almost certainly spread very, very rapidly thereafter it probably has been here for at least two months, but we don't actually know the precise date. So then what did um, what early data did were we told them, you know, how it started? Did anything change just through the last few weeks, the last month, or is everything the same as it was that we were first told? No, it hasn't. Um, it would be uh, there's no way I can say that it's the same because obviously it's spreading very, very rapidly. But what typically happens with these types of infectious diseases is that it originates somewhere else. Occasionally it arrives in the U.S. first, but most times it winds up being imported here. And we see the first clusters in the particular population, and then it begins to expand. Now, the first clusters that we observed in Europe were in festivals where people were engaged in sort of intimate behavior, but there was frankly a lot of promiscuity. And this results in exposure. Uh, and as these people who've congregated from all over the world in these single locations wind up returning home, they bring this virus with them. Mm. Uh, this is something that we've seen before with SARS, we've seen it with influenza, 
But in this case, it's a, it's a different sort of a disorder. What's different about it? Just the, the nature of what exactly it is? I mean, this is actually probably a good time to go through what exactly is monkeypox. Sure. So this is not a virus that's spread uh, primarily by the respiratory route. This is spread as a result of either skin-to-skin contact or some sort of contact with something that has been contaminated because it's come into contact with skin or what we call the mucous membranes, which is the your mouth or your nose or, or frankly, you know, your urogenital tract or even your rectum. Um, so it's spread, I wouldn't call it strictly speaking, a sexually transmitted disease, though it can be spread that way, but it can be spread just by skin-to-skin contact. And because the virus can live on surfaces for some period of time, you can become infected if you come into contact with infected bedclothes or sex toys or a variety of other sorts of things that might carry the virus for up to several hours. Mm. I do have a, a couple questions. First off, so you say the virus can live on surfaces for some period of time. Let's say you are going to a communal laundromat. Do you are should you be worried about touching the laundry machines or anything like that, or will just a normal load of laundry wash it off? That's a very good question, and frankly, nobody's ever posed that question to me. Hmm. I don't think the virus could survive a laundry cycle with detergent and hot water. On the other hand, could the virus persist on the handle of a laundry machine hmm. or on a basket or something of that nature? I don't actually know because we haven't looked at that specifically, but we do know that people have become infected as a result of touching clothing or bed clothing like sheets and pillows and things of that nature. So yes, there is some concern there. Wow. Well, I have to ask that question. You probably have never been asked that question. I don't I don't know if you're um, in a big city like New York, but, you know, that's what we have to do. We you, we have these laundry machines and you, you go there and multiple people are using them. And it's always a worry that I've had just in general with covid and, you know, other types of diseases. I just want to make sure that things are washed off if someone else uses it before me. Um, so also. You mentioned that it's not necessarily an STD. Why has it not been classified as that if it can be sexually transmitted? Because when we think of STDs, we're thinking about viruses that really only live um, in, you know, surfaces like the genital tract or the, you know, the anal tract or something of this nature. But that's not necessarily the case. You can become infected by coming into contact with somebody who has a blister or what looks like a pimple on the skin of their arm, for example. So you would not call that an STD for that reason. Mm. So yes, if if there's um, if it's in an area that's an erogenous zone, a sexually active zone of your body, you can get it as a result of having some sort of sexual activity. But it need not be the case. Many people present with these lesions on their face, or in their arms, or in their legs, in some area that's away from where you would typically considered as being a sexually active area. Wow. So if you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you notice one of these blisters, how many do you need to have? How do you know when you have monkeypox? Very good question. So many people who have monkeypox will report uh, an illness prior to them seeing any of these skin problems. They may have a fever, a headache, muscle ache, 
It's nothing very, very specific, and they may just simply be fatigue. And then you get these pimples or blisters, which can be on your face, the inside of your mouth, your hands, your feet, or in the genital areas. And if so, you know, you need to have these things evaluated because there's no way I can tell you just looking at something like a skin lesion, whether or not it is monkeypox. Mm -hmm. And that requires testing. The testing is done by going to a physician or some sort of a clinic and having the actual area sampled and characterized in a laboratory. Um, if you come to contact with somebody who is known to have had monkeypox or to have been in contact with people who've had monkeypox, and then you get one of these characteristic you know, pimples or blisters on your skin, then you would assume that it's monkeypox. But until that, unless that's the case, you have to get some sort of laboratory confirmation. I see. And why is it called monkeypox? Well, it's, you know, it's not really something that we see commonly in monkeys. This is actually a virus that's, uh, that's present in rodents. Ooh. However, in, uh, in the late 1950s, there was an infection research monkeys, and therefore it was called monkeypox at that point. Now, it can infect primates like monkeys and great apes and obviously humans, uh, and it is related to another virus uh, that was eradicated called smallpox, so we should probably talk about as well when we get to vaccines, but it's not nearly as deadly as smallpox was. I see. Well, let's get into that because you can be vaccinated for monkeypox. How does that work and what is the relation to smallpox? Well, smallpox for most of your listeners is going to be something that's really historical because we have not had any smallpox uh, as a sort of a wild type infection, unexplained infection since 1977. That last case, I believe, was in Somalia. Uh, and then there was a, a laboratory acquired case in 1978. But the World Health Organization and the World Health Assemblies declared it eradicated in 1980 because of a very successful smallpox eradication campaign that started in 58 and ran through 77. Now, the, the virus that caused that was called a variole or major. Uh, and over a period of hundreds of years, it caused millions of fatalities. It had 30% mortality when people would become infected, as opposed to less than 1% mortality, and chiefly in people who are infected with a different one that's, that's circulating right now. So compare less than 1% mortality versus 30% mortality. It's clear that this is not as serious an infection as well as smallpox. But that's not to say that it's not a problem because you can get scarring, you can become blind. There are all sorts of problems can occur depending on where you have the monkeypox infection. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Hey folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations, 
or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Can we just go back for a second? Did you say um, it was an infection in the late 60s? Um, Monkeypox was, or are you referring to? No, I'm referring to smallpox. smallpox. So, okay. Small, so, but smallpox goes back hundreds of years. Right. Uh, it was a, you know, that was a huge. It was a scourge. It was like the plague. In that way, we haven't seen any smallpox, right, since 1977, 1978, and right. as a result, we're no longer vaccinating against smallpox. There is evidence. Um, from work that's been done experimentally and in people as well to indicate that the smallpox vaccine is protective against monkeypox because it is a related virus. However, um, people shouldn't think that because they were vaccinated against smallpox in the 1970s that they're protected now. So some of those vaccines given 50 years ago, they begin to lose their efficacy. So we are very concerned. We don't yet know how well people will be protected, but the vaccines that we're currently using are modifications of the original smallpox vaccine uh, that was so effective in eradicating smallpox in the first place. So what you're saying is the reason why it's called monkeypox is because it comes from the same virus that caused smallpox and it was at one point found in monkeys. Yes. Got it. Sort of. Sort, sort of. of. <laughs> sort of. So, I mean, you, you've got all the elements there. It was never primarily an infection of monkeys. It was found in monkeys and it was called monkeypox. And it's still called monkeypox, but it wouldn't surprise me if at some point the name changes. Uh, but it's not going to change, obviously, the course of the virus. It's the same problem. And monkeys and humans are obviously susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes that makes a lot more sense. So then what treatments are available for monkeypox? I know we talked about the vaccine. First of all, who's who's eligible? Who should get that vaccine? And then what other treatments or medications can you take to uh, either prevent monkeypox or treat it? So right now we have two vaccines that are approved for use um, in the context of monkeypox. The question is, who gets that vaccine? So if you have had contact with somebody you know who's known to have had monkeypox recently, then you're a candidate for the vaccine. Okay. If you've had multiple sexual partners or, or lived in close domestic circumstances in an area where there's a lot of known monkeypox, you might have been exposed as a result of contact with clothing or bed sheets or, or shared cups or dishes or something of that nature, 
you're also a candidate for getting the monkeypox vaccine. If you're somebody who works in a job where you may be exposed to monkeypox, so this is a healthcare worker, somebody who works in a laboratory, uh, or somebody who takes care of people as a nurse's aide or something like this, who may have been exposed to monkeypox, you're a candidate for getting this particular vaccine. But it's not widespread yet. Um, there are something like a little less than 10,000 cases known worldwide, but it is in over 60 countries. The majority of the cases we've seen thus far have been in Europe. In the United States, we've seen it in 37 states. There are probably 800 cases by now. Last count, it was about 760. So it is spreading, um, and I expect it will continue to spread. So it's very important that we try to vaccinate everybody possible. Now, if you think you have monkeypox, you should get tested. Uh, and that means that what they're going to do is going to take a look at this region, which you think is a suspect of being a monkeypox lesion, whether it's inside your mouth or it's on your skin. It's going to be sampled and it's going to be tested using molecular assays, things like PCR, just like we do for COVID. And you'll be told whether or not it's monkeypox or something else. Sadly, there really isn't any good specific treatment uh, if you do have monkeypox. This may change, and there's certainly people who are working on this. The good news is that the monkeypox infection doesn't last for a long time. It's about two to four weeks. And most people resolve the infection without any severe problems. Some people will have problems. Very important not to get the infection in your eyes because it can cause damage to your eyes. And you can get some scarring and changes in pigment. But other than that, most people recover. Okay. Are there any long-term effects of getting monkeypox? I mean, you know, with COVID, we talk about long COVID, brain fatigue, things like that. Is there anything people should be worried about long-term with monkeypox? Thus far, we haven't seen anything like long Oh, that's good. And that's the good news. That's great news. And then just a, a quick follow-up on um, one of the categories for the vaccine that you had mentioned. If you've had contact with someone who has had monkeypox recently, so are you saying that the vaccine then will work if you come in contact with someone already? Or that's yes, just to prevent is, from yes. you yourself spreading it to someone else? Well, I think both of those things pertain. So if you don't have any active virus growing, in your mouth or in a, you know, uh, on your urogenital tract or on your skin, you're not infectious. Oh. So if we can prevent you from actually developing these lesions, you know, it ends with the person with whom you came into contact. So it's very important that if you're fitting into any of these groups, and I'll just run through them again, if you've had contact with somebody who's got monkey monkeypox, somebody who's had multiple sexual partners in an area with known monkeypox, or if you're in some sort of a profession where you might be inadvertently exposed to somebody who has monkeypox, you're a candidate for having the vaccine because that will protect you and will protect those around you. 
There you go. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's important just to kind of monitor the numbers and see if you are in some of these areas that are being infected. I know you mentioned 37 states. Is there one state in particular people should be more worried about if they live there? I don't think I would say that per se, because it can change so rapidly. Mm. You and I are both in New York, yes. which is one of the riskier states. <laughs> yeah, not good. It's not good, Doc. <laughs> no more doing my laundry in communal laundry machines, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> nah. Um, is there is there a group that is at higher risk for more severe monkeypox diseases? I mean, are we if it's the elderly again, just kind of relating it back to COVID, just because so many people have heard a lot about it um, at risk categories. Is there one of those for monkeypox? So it's interesting that you mention that because the elderly receive the smallpox vaccine. Ah. And, we, and we don't know that for certain yet, but I would expect they would still have some immunity. It will be waning, but it'll still be there. So the groups that are at the highest risk are people who have certain types of skin conditions, like eczema, uh, people who have immunodeficiency syndromes, also problems. Which brings us back to the vaccines again, because there are two major vaccines. One of them, which is a live virus, which is more capable of causing disease, may be more effective. We don't know that yet. Um, And then there's another one which is preferable for people with weak immune systems or people who have disorders like eczema. So it's important when you talk to your healthcare provider that you share with him or her you know, what your baseline status is so that they know what the most appropriate vaccine is. Because one of them is in very short supply and one of them is not. Mm. Um, just another quick question. You you said that it could, it, it's usually present in, or it's more present in rodents. Is that what you were saying earlier, right? It's, it is. So it's, so, the, well, if you go into, you know, the places where we find this virus, which is chiefly, you know, in the wild, is chiefly in certain parts of Africa. In Central Africa, and to lesser extent in West Africa, it's primarily found in rodents. But it can be found in non-human primates, like monkeys, mm-hmm. which, again, is why we wound up with this name, you know, monkeypox. Right. So then can pets you know, get monkeypox? You know something? They, they probably can. So you should be also looking at your pet to make sure that they don't have so, any legions. So we know, for example, if you go back a few years, there were instances where there were imported rodents that carried pox viruses. And there were some examples there where the infection didn't stop with those pets. So yes, particularly if somebody who has pet rodents, so forth, this is you know a potential risk as well. But there's no evidence that there's any infection yet in pets in the United States. Got it. And and let's say, God forbid, you do have monkey pox and you touch your arm that has some legions on it and then you touch your eyes or your face. Is it contagious within your own body? You know, I don't know that we know the answer to that. It would just not, you know, it'd be something that I would be concerned about. But I'm not aware of any examples where somebody has touched a lesion on their, you know, on their torso and then touched their eye. But I would think that that would be a possibility. And does the lesion have to be an open 
blister or anything, or can it be covered uh, with skin for it to be transmittable? There's almost certainly going to be some sort of a break in this blister at some point or another. So I would think you would not want to touch that. If you have something like this, my recommendation would be you cover it with a Band-Aid, you go, you get professional assessment, they run the lab test and tell you what it is. If it's a bacterial infection, then we don't have to worry about monkeypox, but we have to use an antibiotic. We have to open it up in some way to eradicate, you know, the bacterial infection. So it's important for us to know what it is. If you have a lesion of the sort, get attention. All right. And then I have one last question. <laughs> so I, I'm just I'm peppering those questions because it's, it is we don't know a ton about it. And just from what we've heard in the media, we know that. But um, again, I feel like it was presented in one way and then it kind of changed and then it's back to another way. And so, you know, that's just how these things evolve, the more information we get about them. But what do you think is the most important thing people should know about monkeypox? That it's spread as a result of contact. And that you need to be award, you know, you need to avoid certain kinds of situations where you're going to come into contact with people of this sort. Now, you know, the majority of the cases thus far have been in men who have sex with men, but I don't think it's going to remain there. Uh, so it's something the whole population needs to be concerned about. Right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lipkin, for all of this information. Like I said before, it's just, it's good. The more knowledge you have, the more power you have. So I appreciate your time and stay safe. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. All right, if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about monkeypox. Number one. Monkeypox is related to smallpox, so the older generation who may have received the smallpox vaccine might be protected from monkeypox as well. Number two, the virus isn't typically found in monkeys despite its moniker. It's typically found more in rodents. The reason it's called monkeypox is because the virus was first discovered in laboratory monkeys. And number three, It's not necessarily classified as an STD at the moment because you can develop lesions on various parts of your body and it can actually become infected just from coming in contact with the virus or someone who's had it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on Monkeypox. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com and don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.